Having grown up in church, the way the institution works has probably become second nature to me. It's kind of something that I've always known and um, became really comfortable with in the way that it worked. And I suppose the rules that were at play of, of kind of how it worked and uh, how you would fit in. Um, I think when I look at it, there were so many great things about growing up in church, so many things that made a real positive impact on my life. And I can look back over all of my life and see so much benefit from it. There's things like um, that sense of togetherness and the solidarity that you get um, from being in a church like with like-minded people, with, with people who, um, who kind of get where you're coming from and, and maybe have walked a similar path to you. Um, when people cheer each other on and encourage each other, when uh, people stand with each other in difficult and challenging times, um, that sense of solidarity is powerful. And I suppose ultimately there's that sense of being inspired in your pursuit of God and, and the kind of drive of a kind of collective group of people to make a positive impact and, uh, and, and understand the difference we can make when we truly love other people. I look at the kind of legacy of that in my life and I love the fact that that church has, has really, I suppose, poured that into me and inspired me in, in so many different ways. And, and I suppose as a result, my, my perspective and my reflection on, on church is a, a positive one. For me, it's, it's, an important, um, it's an important thing. It's an important place to be able to connect with people for all of those reasons. And the encouraging thing is when we get it right, all of those different elements can make such a difference to our lives and have a real positive impact, um, not only on us, but also on the lives of other people. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this whole topic of inclusion um, and the importance of how can we be inclusive in the way that we talk and the way that we act and, and the way that we um, not just welcome but, but truly love and accept people who are all kind of from, from totally different situations. Um, how do we do that and how do we do it effectively? This week um, I read a really interesting blog, a really challenging uh, blog written by my cousin's wife Hannah. She is brilliant. Um, she is incredibly funny. She is like outrageously kind and caring, uh, compassionate. She's a real activist, so she'll get on and, and really make things happen and step in when she sees people who are struggling or suffering. She, she really is a, a trailblazer. She's fantastic. Um, she's also really brave and um, really um, to the point and, and direct. And I love that about her. And she's passionate about God and passionate about seeing uh, like stuff done right in his name. She's written this blog um, and it's really good. It's really challenging. Um, but for me, it's really, really important what she says. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to kind of retell and remake all of her points. What I'll do is I'll post the link to the blog uh, in the description below and you can have a read of it yourself. Um, it's challenging. It's hard to read. Um, but it's, it, it highlights some really important issues. And um, 
I think it's stuff that we need to, to read and need to hear. And in essence, I suppose, what she's talking about in her blog is how, in some places, the institutional church is pretty broken. We talked about the great things that it provides and when it works well, the difference it can make. Um, but actually, she highlights um, different research and different findings and different kind of things that have happened um, within church systems and church structures that actually have caused a lot of harm and a lot of damage. She talks about how it's, it's, it's broken in a lot of settings. Um, not every church, not every church is broken. There are some absolutely brilliant ones and some ones who are making uh, a, a real difference to the people who are going and the people who aren't going as well. Um, but in the cases um, where there are real problems, what she highlights, I suppose, is that it's often down to kind of unhealthy structures and sometimes uh, it's things like particular styles of leadership that create a culture um, that sets a tone for the way things need to work. Um, the blog goes into some detail about um, some of the problems that come from particular um, leadership structures um, and the issues and the damage that can come from that and I suppose in essence how sometimes that hierarchy of leadership can sometimes present a system that suggests that people need to climb uh, a ladder and, and kind of strive to be valued and accepted within those kind of systems. But what interested me the most, I mean, it was fascinating what she says um, and, and difficult to read. But what was most interesting about it is she, she kind of, towards the end of the blog, she talks about how church could maybe be structured to work a little bit more effectively. I'm going to read you a bit of what she says. Um, and um, bear, with, bear with me as I go through it and I'll explain it a little bit in a minute. But this is what she says. All leaders... Have, um, have to make tough decisions and tough choices to serve the greater good. In the church, that greater good is Jesus Christ and the principles of his kingdom. If the actions of the leaders conflict his teaching and do not mimic his actions, then it is not the church that God intended. Power has been wrongfully taken. She goes on to say this. To put it simply, I want you to think of the church, uh, of church, sorry, as a party. Jesus is the host and leaders are the ones who put on the party on his behalf. They are key in helping logistically organise it, making sure there's a speech all about the wonderful host, organising music and dancing and a feast as well as boring things like toilets and health and safety. But while the organisation is probably largely facilitated by the leaders, the whole church has a responsibility to pull their weight and party in a way that honours the host. Now, I thought this was a fascinating idea. Now, for those of you who are freaking out thinking, I hate parties or, um, or I dread going to a party or, or uh, I, I just turn up and then leave as soon as I can. Or, um, <laughs> or you might think I often don't feel like going to parties. I'm not suggesting that the church um, needs to be like a party. I suppose what um, Hannah's touched on here is the way you kind of structure and organise a party is a fascinating one because it's about a person. 
It's about celebrating a particular person. If that person is Jesus, then the party needs to centre around honouring that person. Um, and that the, the way we go about doing that needs to point the attention on them, but also um, needs to really keep in mind uh, the things that they're passionate about and make sure it's something that they would love. Because there's nothing worse than if you were to go to a party that was thrown for you by someone else and they just make it about everything that they like to do and it clashes with the things that you like so it's it's not your it's not the music that you like that someone else has chosen their music or or whatever it, it might be the preferences have to be centered around um who the host is and what the host requires so when we think about jesus being the host the person that we're celebrating the person that we're gathering for that should be the thing that sets the tone of everything so the purpose of the party is to honour the house. So the way the party is run needs to consider that at all times. She goes on to say this. Jesus is the host and that means everyone is welcome. If not everyone, and I mean everyone, is welcomed with open arms, the party does not honour the host. If there is not enough food for the poor, both inside and outside of the party... But the buffet is topped up and people are filling their plates inside. The party does not honour the host. If people are being bullied, shamed or abused at the party, the party does not honour the host. If people serving at the party are being overworked or taken advantage of, the party does not honour the host. If the best seats are not prioritised for the vulnerable, the party does not honour the host. If the children are not allowed to dance and sing and laugh and help the adults be like them, the party does not honour the host. If people are not being included, even subconsciously, because of their colour, gender, sexual orientation, marital status, political preference, disability or any other reason... The party does not honour the host. So we get the point, don't we? We begin to understand that the way Jesus works, the way he feels about people, the way he wants to make others feel, needs to dictate the way the party works. Or in the, the example that we're talking about, the way the church works needs to reflect Jesus' heart for all those people and the problem is when we look at those different things that we mentioned there it can be easy for some of these elements to become normalized by institutions the rules and the regulations that inform the behavior of a particular group think about some of the things that are mentioned if people are being bullied shamed or abused then it's not honoring the host it's not honoring jesus if people are serving in a particular um, church or, or kind of ministry setting, whatever you want to describe it as, if people are being overworked and taken advantage of, that's not honouring Jesus. Uh, here's a classic one. If the best seats aren't prioritised for, for the vulnerable people, that's not honouring Jesus. And, and do you know what? 
I've seen some alarming things in, in like whether it's churches or conferences over the years where, where it, that is exactly what's happening. And the, the worst one for me was going to a conference. I was working at a conference and they sold tickets to the front section, the, the seats that were nearest all of the key leaders for more money than sitting further back in the room because in essence you were a bit closer to the anointing. And, and if you wanted to be closer to the anointing, um, then you'd have to pay a bit more money for it, but you get the, you get the treat of being there. And you're like, man, this is just weird. Um, but she goes and says, doesn't she, if, if people are not being included, even subconsciously, even if people aren't aware of it, because of their colour, gender, sexual orientation, marital status, um, political preference, disability, or any other reason, then that's not honouring Jesus. And and that is the point where we've been making over these last few weeks about inclusion, that we have to build structures and uh, gatherings that work in line with who he is and what he feels and thinks, because that's who we're trying to emulate. That's who we're trying to take our lead from. So when we're trying to work out how do we do this inclusion stuff, he is the example. He is the one we look to. So to be truly inclusive, we have to avoid falling into that trap. Those traps that we talked about that can normalise that kind of behaviour and, and make it the rules for that particular group. It's the responsibility, I like what she says earlier in, in, in those sections, it's the responsibility of everyone to build uh, that culture um, that is mindful and aware of all of these things. That yeah, the leaders might be there to logistically make it all happen and, and lead it through in some ways, but actually it's everyone's responsibility to create that culture and create that environment where people feel truly welcome. Because it could be that, that leaders do a great job of um, setting a culture, but if the people at the party aren't interested in, in kind of modelling that and, and taking that forward, then we're in trouble again, aren't we? So we need to hold uh, in mind the person of Jesus and the way that he, we, that he operated and allow that to shape everything that we all do. At the end of this section, she finishes like this. If the church does not honour Jesus and the people he welcomes, they are not hosting his church. They are hosting their own. And I think that sometimes is the harsh reality. If a church... Um, becomes, I suppose, more driven by um, trying to promote themselves rather than Jesus or promote individuals rather than Jesus, then we're just taking the attention away from him. We're distracting people from the most important message. And the reality is it's easy to fall into traps. But if we want to do this well, we need to... Uh, we need to keep, keep ourselves aware and be focused on making sure that everything that we do uh, is, is kind of trying to, I suppose, emulate the person of Jesus as much as possible. So let's try and do that in all things that we're involved in, but especially when we eventually get to meet together, let's make sure that everything that we do 
um, considers every single person as Jesus would. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our time together today. I pray as we continue to look at um, the challenges of, of how we are um, really effective in our um, pursuit of being inclusive, God, I pray that you'd help us, that you would challenge us, that you would highlight the things that we can uh, be better at and the ways we can uh, reach out and help other people. And God, we just want to um, be the best representatives of you that we can be. So help us, God, in all things. Stand up for the people um, who may be um, forgotten or not heard. Um, and God, I pray that we would... Um, that we would, I don't know, just do our best to uh, be as much like Jesus as we possibly can. So be with us. Amen. So thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, look forward to seeing you again next week. Hope you all have a good week. Take care.